Let's get out of the Sprint special guest line. Sprint, they make it safe and easy to get what you need online. Uh, visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Joining us now from AT&T Sportsnet, our friend Alema Harrington. And first and foremost, Alema, uh, how are you and yours? Everybody doing all right? Everybody's doing well, man. We are, uh, we are living the dream as, as well as you can in COVID-19 and, and uh, during the quarantine and all of that. So, yeah, thank you for asking, and, and uh, we are doing well. Good. So, Alema, let me ask you this question. What, and, I, and this is really a serious question. What are you doing to keep, to keep your wits about you? What are you doing to stay sane? Are you uh, going for walks? Are you going for runs? You're riding a bike? What, what's keeping your spirits up? Well, I, I, I exercise. I mean, I'm one of those guys that at my age, 54 years old, you know, I, I do a lot of stretching slash, you know, quote unquote yoga um, and go on walks and things like that and, and do that to just try to get out in the open air and, and, um, and uh, you know, feel, feel, you know, the, at least my blood going through my body a little bit. And then at the same time, and you guys know this, you know, I do, I do work with a, a treatment center. I uh, just started with a place called Ardu uh, down in Provo, and I get an opportunity this morning. I did group uh, out there. I'm a licensed counselor in the substance use disorder counseling um, in, in that arena. And so I get a chance to, to do that, get my mind and uh, body and spirit kind of uh, working in harmony with that. And then the other thing that, that I've been doing, which has been great, is Bowler and I do a thing called Ghost Cast uh, on Wednesdays. And if you, you don't know what that is, then go and download the, the app from the App Store. And um, we do a live show uh, every Friday at 5 o'clock, or excuse me, Wednesday at 5 o'clock. And we just jump on and we, we uh, kind of rehash the, you know, the stories for the week and, and maybe give some updates on anything that might be available as far as, you know, what our broadcast plans are. And I heard you guys talking a little bit about that. And, and um, Jake, I didn't know that you were so close with uh, President Ronald Reagan that you just referred to him as Ronnie. That's pretty cool. Um, and Yeah, me and Barack are like that, too. You know, me and Barry, because uh, we went to the same high school. Punahou? So, Punahou? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so... But, you know, um, and, and that's fun for, for me to get together with Bowler uh, and, and jump on Ghostcast and, and do a half hour to an hour, you know, because of the format of the platform. It's, you know, an app that you can you can get. Uh, you can just tune in and we can go live at any time. But we let people know, you know, through Twitter or whatever that, hey, we're going to go live at five o'clock. We're going to talk about a few different things. And and so for, for me. It's great to be with Bowler because uh, I think we all have the, the same level of respect for this man. He's, a, he's an amazing broadcaster and a great guy. So I just jump over. I go over to his house and, and you know, do a few chores before to get, you know, get stuff done around the house at, at his place. And then, <laughs> then he allows me to jump, jump on and we, we, do, we do a little ghost gas. So that, that's a good time. And, and, you know, just to, to update everybody, in, and you may, may or may not have already talked about this, you know, we, we do a broadcast uh, Zoom meeting for the jazz broadcasters, uh, both uh, radio and television. So David Locke was on that, that Zoom call earlier today, along with Matt Bowler, Big T, Thurl Bailey, um, and KK. And, and myself, and then along with, you know, the guys that are in our group, Travis Henderson, of course, kind of running the, the operations along with uh, Jeremy Castro. 
and we just talk, you know, through kind of what the scenarios are and and just try to stay up to date with, with, you know, where we're headed right now, now that we know that we have a target uh, set for, for July 30th, all things, you know, hoping that, that they fall into place with, you know, players and, and uh, some of their concerns. Eleven Harrington, sorry, go ahead, Gordon. Yeah, I just wanted before we just roll on by that. I just wondered if Alema, are you in your PHS Hall of Fame along with Barack Obama? <laughs> I am not. My father is in in the you know that the, the Punahou uh, started off as it's one of the, the older schools actually in the country, um, but it started out as the the Oahu College, so um, Oahu being you know the island that that we're on that main island. And so the Sons of Oahu was the name that they had for all of the men's athletic teams at Punahou. And my father is in the uh, Sons of Oahu Hall of Fame. But uh, somehow I, ha- I have not been inducted or elected or maybe not even been on a ballot to this point. i gotta, I got to find out what's going on. got to make that happen. Uh, he is our friend, Alema Harrington, with us here on 97.5 and, and 1280 The Zone. And uh, Alema, I'm going to blindside you with something a little heavy, but I, I'm curious to get your, your perspective. And you mentioned the work that you've been doing and, and have uh, been doing with uh, people bat- battling substance abuse. And Gordon and I, uh, we, we started a conversation that started off kind of casual, but it ended up in in uh, a, a different place. But in the NBA, they're not going to test for marijuana in this bubble experiment, and that led us to the conversation of ath- athletes and pain management, and mm. how we now we don't talk about that enough. We don't talk about different ways for athletes to cope with their their pain. And I want to get your perspective on that. And and you don't need to talk about marijuana if you don't uh, if you don't want to. But I I think that this pain management with athletes in their bodies is a topic that we need to speak about more. Absolutely. You know, I, I think, you know, that I think it's a great conversation that, that needs to happen more often and in more depth uh, about, you know, how do you manage pain? And for me, um, you know, I have had through now three back surgeries and, and um, I was dealing and deal at times with chronic pain. And it wasn't until, you know, I had made the commitment to get off of all of the opioids and not use that ever again, um, unless I'm having surgery. And and for me, it was when I finally made that commitment that I opened my mind to the possibility that there are other ways to deal with your pain. And because you know the opiates are so instant and it's easy, um, but the the the, the downside. Um, and the side effects are, are horrible and horrific and can be disastrous and, and destroy a person's life, which they, they did for me. And so I love the, the idea that we, we have a conversation about how, because this is a very real thing and people that have had chronic pain know it. It can, it can suck the life out of you when you're dealing with that. And if you tell somebody that, okay, opiates are no longer an option, for, for some people, that, that's going to be, you know, a, almost an impossibility. But for the majority, there's going to be other ways that you can deal with pain, whether it's, you know, holistic healing and, and uh, things that you can do with mindfulness. Um, there's, you know, stretching. There's, there's other um, – and there are a lot of different um, techniques that they can use to try to alleviate pain. And at the same time, you know, one of the important things, messages that, that I share – 
when I'm working with clients that, that are dealing with some level of pain is that somehow as a society, we have come to this, this belief uh, almost universally that, that pain is bad. Like you cannot have pain when the, the reality is pain is part of life. And so, you know, I think we've, to a degree, raised the generation that believes that, that you just can't deal with any pain. If you have any type of pain or discomfort, then immediately, immediately we go to the, to the medicine chest and, and, and to the pharmacy and, and see what the, the resolution is for my pain, as opposed to understanding that maybe there's a way to minimize the pain, but not get rid of it entirely. And so we're looking at other ways to deal with minimizing that pain and then ways to deal with the pain. But the bottom line or the truth is that you're going to have pain in your life. Um, and so, you know, whether you're an NFL player or, you know, a, a guy working in an office or you're, you're out mowing lawns, you're, you're going to deal with that and it's figure out ways to be able to handle the pain. But I think that one of the first steps is understanding there will be pain. There will be pain in our lives. That's just part of it. And if we can accept that and embrace that, then, you know, I think we, we can head in the right direction. Well, I mean this uh, sincerely. I don't think I'd, I can think of anybody else I'd rather have doing the job that you're doing in that regard. So good on you for uh, the, the, the contributions you're making to, to, to human lives who, who are in, uh, in need of your counsel. So uh, I just wanted to congratulate you for that. And, and thanks for covering that, Alema. I, I, yeah. I thought when we were talking about it, I actually mentioned it on the show. I thought we need to get Alema's perspective on this because you've kind of been at the front lines of that whole thing. Well, thanks, uh, and I appreciate that. And, and you know, the, it, it's funny because the, the, the truth is that is the blessing and one of the best things that I do for for my chronic pain, both you know, mental, emotional, and spiritual uh, pain, along with physical pain, is to continue to work with others, share the message of recovery, and and talk about that. So, um, you know, there's 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 plenty of ways that we can release endorphins, dopamine into our system, and when you know you're on the opiates, uh, you, you're really you're flooding your system with with uh, these chemicals and um and it just kind of messes up our body's production and it's trying to get back into um that natural production of it and one of the things that we do at our do this is not a uh promotional piece but we'll, at our, our do one of the breakthrough things happening right now is amino acid therapies and rebalancing the brain um so that it can produce uh, the natural chemicals that that we uh, actually do produce in our bodies to soothe ourselves. So I think, you know, um, I hope at least that we're making some strides in the right direction. When it comes to the marijuana, that, that becomes a, you know, a whole nother um, conversation to have that we'll maybe have at another time uh, with athletes and, and marijuana and whether or not or not that that's a, an addictive substance, we do know that it is addictive, but, and there is plenty of studies out there. And I don't want to get into a debate with anybody about that. But there's there's information out there on both sides, and that debate continues. See, uh, Jake, I told you. Now, LM, I tell him all the time. He, he <laughs> says you're all about style. I say you're all about substance. And so I think <laughs> we've covered that. You're a deep man. We appreciate your thoughtfulness. And speaking of uh, heavy topics, I wanted yeah. to get your thought on 
on the uh, on the Black Lives Matter movement and the uh, cry for social justice these days inside and outside of sports. Your thoughts on this as it has become a major, major topic all around the country. Yeah. And then to be honest, my first thought on this is is measure your words very carefully. Think about what you're what you're going to say um, in response to it. Uh, not just on the topic, but in response to what your response is to it, because we have become such a hypersensitive society, which, uh, you know, is not a good thing or a bad thing, but something to be certainly conscious of as we're trying to address this topic and any of the other sensitive topics that, that are out there. But certainly this one is on the forefront. And so, you know, my thoughts on it are coming from a family where we're, um, you know, I'm a second generation of, a, 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 you know, a, a Americans. My father is Samoan and my mom is Caucasian. And my father dealt with some really probably severe um, instances and situations of, uh, of prejudice and uh, racial injustice and, um, and, and was a part of really that generation back in the 50s and 60s. And, you know, it's it's unfortunate. It's sad that we we have not made more progress than we have made. My thought is these moments similar to 92, uh, 1992, when we had the riots uh, in L.A. um, are opportunities for us to have the conversation, have it in a meaningful way and then be able to uh, implement changes that that will have a positive effect on our society. One of the things that we deal with, and, and we deal with it very directly because it's our business, we, we, we talk you know, for a living, is you know, let's be mindful of the things that we are saying and the, you know, the arenas that, that those words are gonna be, um, uh, you know, they're, they're gonna resound, where, where they're gonna be heard and um, I think that there's some positive things that, that could happen from that where things that were at one time, um, quote unquote, acceptable are, are now unacceptable. Now, you know, I think that that helps us be able to have um, conversations and and, you know, even locker room type conversations with a new level of respect and understanding of the importance of how we talk. And then at the same time, and this is, you know, on the same topic, but a little off off the topic, is I think that we have to be understanding with each other in the process that these, these, these crimes that we have committed when it comes to racism, these uh, things that we have done sometimes in ignorance, they're not unforgivable crimes. You know, there, there are things that, that if you have done those things and and you understand you're contrite um, and and are committed to moving forward in a positive way, then let's let that happen too, as opposed to the cancel culture where if you've done anything of that nature, well, you're gone. So for for me, those are the things that come top of mind, and then that's a, probably a lot to digest. But but for me, that that's one of the important parts of this whole you know movement is okay let's let's use this in a positive way to have a conversation that can you know exact some change that is going to be meaningful 
not just for, for us presently, but, but for future generations. Alema, you've tackled some tough stuff with us today, and we really appreciate it. I'd be remiss if we didn't at least ask you a little bit about basketball and the Utah Jazz. And, <laughs> yeah. of course, life without Boyan Bogdanovich. I think this is yeah. the big story going into this thing. Who's going to have to pick up the slack? Yeah, and, you know, one of the things, you know, Bowler and I talked about this uh, yesterday on, on, on the Ghostcast that, that we did, and that is, you know, that, that there are players that are capable uh, of stepping up and making the difference, and everybody or a lot of a lot of us as jazz fans are going to say, well, that means that that Donnie Donovan Mitchell is going to have to really step up this game. And then the comments come from from Quinn Snyder um, on first take, and, and he says Donnie's ready to and, and and able to take over games, and that that's fantastic. The good news is that Donnie doesn't have to do this by himself. I think we're going to see uh, Royce step up in that regard. I think we're going to see um, uh, Joe Ingles step up in that regard, and 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 uh, and so that there's going to be people that that will step into their own roles and probably you know advance their roles along with Jordan Clarkson coming off the bench and. Uh, that that can fill up or can can take over that twenty points that you lose with Bogdanovich. I'm confident that the the next man up culture that the Jazz have that we will see um, a collective uh, group um, by committee uh, take over and and maybe even exceed what Bogdanovich has done. That doesn't mean that you can replace Boyan because he he's an incredible player. And I think we've all uh, been impressed with his game both inside and outside as far as his scoring ability is concerned. But I, I, I'm confident that between Donovan, Joe, Royce, uh, along with uh, Clarkson, that, that they have the firepower there to be able to step up and and uh, I think cover the, the deficit that, that is going to be left when Bogdanovich is not on the floor. Lemma, I wanted to ask for some speculation on your part in this regard because I don't think there's any real way of knowing right now. But what role do you think Mike Conley will play in all of this? Will the offense look the same? Or do you think that uh, Quinn will give Mike Conley a little more uh, brain, I guess, for Mm -hmm. lack of a better term, uh, to be able to capitalize on some of the things that he might be capable of doing that – he didn't necessarily show that often previously here in Utah. You know, uh, Gordon, that's a that's a great question slash uh, statement uh, about Mike Conley and what he can do for this team. And uh, you know, I think you know, just relative to, to what you just stated about Mike, we have not seen the best of Mike Conley yet. Um, in part because it's just been kind of in spurts and then the injury and now COVID-19. Um, I really believe that he will, in these final eight regular season games and into the postseason, this is a guy that we are going to see um, really embrace what his role is. And, and as far as, you know, Quinn Snyder giving him the reins, so to speak, I think that 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 will happen as Mike demonstrates to Quinn that that he he is now ready to do that. I think that he is, and we'll see. You know, on July 30th in the first game, what that looks like, and it may not be until the third game of the first eight that that we see it really 
uh, unfold because guys are trying to get back into game shape and, and um, kind of you know gel with each other. But I really think that, that we have not seen the best of Mike Conley yet and that he still has plenty left in, in his playing career and we're going to see it the, the end of this season and into the postseason this year. Alema, it is great to hear your voice. Thanks for jumping on with us, and uh, we're excited we're going to get a chance to see you and Thurl do your thing before too long. No, we, are, we are, too. We are, too. And, and uh, always great to talk with you guys. Appreciate the, uh, the opportunity to jump on and, and talk with the, the two of you and your audience and the big show. So thank, thanks, thank you very much, and, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Alema. Thanks, Alema. Yeah, thank you.